Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Deacon John and Joe coming at you from the treehouse on the third floor in Denver, Colorado. But uh, it's funny, Colorado, classic couple days here. Saturday, what do you think the weather was on Saturday? It was like 80 degrees. It was great. 80 degrees, felt like summer. Yesterday it snowed. So it, it was just like... It was miserable. It was miserable. I was just cried. bizarre. But uh, now we're back. So and Now we're back 70. It's back great. Back to 70 and back in the podcast. So last time we did a 10-minute introduction today. Why don't we jump right into it? How does that sound? All right. We're, so, we're jumping. We're jumping. The uh, topic today is the bona conjugalis. Now... Uh, Wait, didn't you guys... Yes. I think Mike Rapp already did this. Yes. Like so, Father Mike back in the day. So a word of explanation why we're... Doing another podcast on the same topic a year later because um, in the seminary we have something called synthetic seminar and what you do is you get uh, questions that are meant to be major synthetic questions major summaries then you got to pull things together um, and I got one that I had to present on um, that was called uh, well explaining the bona conjugalis and I thought oh perfect we have a podcast on this from last year I'll just re-listen to the podcast and I'll be ready to go to give this this oral presentation this oral defense uh, listen to it yeah it was crazy it was horrible we didn't talk about anything all we talked about was um, how Father Mike is uh, has a difficult time doing the uh, robot and I dance like a refrigerator and all this different stuff so I was like that was that was one of our um, Kind of crazier moments. So, not to slam Father Mike or myself, but uh, we had some great ones last semester, and then we had some uh, crazy ones where we just talked about nonsense. So, we got to go back to the bona conjugalis because I was like, "Wow, that's very interesting," and I think it's really important. Here's the question: What does bona conjugalis mean? Perfect. What does bona conjugalis mean? It means the goods of marriage. And and in Mike's defense, we did get that far. He did explain that. And he explained what they were. But I'm going to take a different approach. I want to talk about uh, getting it into the 20th century today. How does it look different? Because we don't speak of it the way that we did in the early church, in the 300s. So, St. Augustine, in his Reflections on Scripture, uh, and his reflection on marriage, says, okay, marriage has these three goods. The bona, bona is the Latin plural for goods, the bona conjugalis. So he says there's three goods. Do you remember what they are, Joe? Uh, Children. Yep, proles. Uh, what's a unitive? Uh, oh no, 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 no! no that's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, I'm going to explain that. I hope in the next. I blame minutes, Father Mike. No, I hope that you get that. <laughs> the three goods of marriage, as explained by Augustine, are prolis, fides, and sacramentum. Prolis, children. He says, you look at Genesis chapter one when God creates man and woman. He creates them for marriage, and he says, go therefore and be fruitful. Right. Be fruitful and multiply. That's like the first command of married people is fecundity, fruitfulness. So he says prolis, boom. And That's the first command, period. First command, period, from God, which says a lot. The second one is fides, right? Fides, which is fidelity, this union that happens in, in uh, them being brought together. And he looks at Genesis chapter 2 and says, okay, it's not just about begetting children, but they cleave to one another. The cleaving is what fides is, the second good. So there's these all these different goods. You have the good of children, the good of um, of this cleaving together, this this fides, this faithfulness to each other. Um, and then the third one is sacramentum. sacramentum, which is the permanence, right? That there's a bond, there's an oath that happens um, because of the union of Christ in the church, 
that the that married people are sharing in. And we got to remember that the, the the theology of marriage took some time to develop. So when Augustine's laying this thing out, it's not just like sacramentum equals sacrament. It's like, well, we're getting there. We're getting there theologically. It's it is a sacrament, but we, understanding that theologically, we're we're just not there yet. But anyways, there's this permanent mark, so to speak. Okay, so. Uh, Thomas Aquinas picks this up in the uh, 12th century and says there's something, he just puts a little twist on it, and he says, I agree with Augustine that proles is the primary good of marriage. Okay, so like, according to Augustine, the primary purpose of marriage, the primary good of marriage is children, procreation and children. Now, but Aquinas says, okay, wait a second, when we look at this good, we realize that um, proles is not just begetting children, not just procreating. It's also the education of children. So like you can't just have, you have to raise them also. Right. That's the whole good is the, is the raising and the whole formation of this human being. Okay. So that's interesting. So he says, he, he kind of brings this little, uh, well, why does it, why does that matter? It matters. This is why, because Thomas speaks of something called societas in marriage, society or companionship or friendship as being essential to the very heart of marriage in order to see proles, the primary good, come into being. So what I'm saying is that Thomas introduces an element of friendship that is not there in the traditional bona conugales. It's not there. In Augustine, fides is like just, uh, it's a remedy for concupiscence. It's kind of a negative thing. Like, okay, we got these people, they got problems, they got passions. This will help them kind of deal with that. Uh, I see. Thomas is saying, no, actually, they can live this out in a deeper way if they're actually friends. Now, this is going to matter in a second here. Now, the Council of Trent um, speaks of marriage. It, it pretty much defends the sacramentality of marriage against Luther. But then they have this little catechism afterwards. The Council of Trent has this little catechism. And in it, it says um, something very interesting. Following Thomas, it says, because of the role of proles in friendship, friendship is the primary purpose of marriage. What? See, so all, all of a sudden have this theological development that friendship is now coming to the fore. And then 400 years after that, and this is like, we're like moving real quick through history, um, Pius Twelfth writes this encyclical called Casti Canubi on chaste marriage. Mm. And he um, re-articulates and fleshes out this, this role of friendship as being at the very heart of marriage, right? Despite these goods, despite these the language of these things, there's something wanting in that. That doesn't satisfy to just say, well, the main purpose of your marriage is to have children. Well, right, that seems that's so true. utilitarianism It almost. does. What it says is marriage is an instrumental good. It's a good at the service of children. Mm-hmm. And um, all through the really the first millennium, and even into Thomas, you see this instrumentality. Marriage is at the service of something else instead of... An end in itself. An end in itself. But what happens with Thomas in seed form, and then Trent, and then Pius Twelfth? is like we get this underhand pitch to the Second Vatican Council to just like re uh, not redevelop but deepen the theological understanding of marriage in a whole new way and it really does it's amazing and it, and it just deepens our understanding of it through scripture uh and through the tradition and what the Second Vatican Council does this is really crazy it says we're not denying the theological tradition the three goods but we're going to reformulate them so we're going to say marriage is itself the good. It is not an instrumental good. Marriage is not at the service of proles or fides or sacramentum. Merely. Merely. It is It is a sacrament, mm-hmm. the sacramentum, and it is primarily the good of friendship, the good of the sacramental marital friendship. 
that is itself the good. So it becomes bonum conjugalis. The good. The good of marriage, which is the good in itself, instead of the goods at marriage, that which marriage is at the order to. And the good of marriage, the bonum conjugalis, as laid out by the Second Vatican Council, has two dimensions, which previously we understood as proles and fides, the procreative dimension and the unitive dimension. Procreative dimension meaning the, the, that proles, what we used to call the primary good, is a dimension of the good of marriage, which is a good in itself. Mm. So you have that it is essential. And it, you can see how it's this continuous, this is continuous with the development theologically in the church, but it's saying it's not the good, it's just a part of the good. It's an aspect, it's a dimension of the good in itself, which is marriage. Likewise, m- the unitive dimension, uh, which we call we used to call fides as a good in itself, is actually uh, a profound dimension to the to this good of marriage in itself. And so, when we understand marriage, we under, we have to say that it's unitive and procreative. But it's the good is itself. What you're choosing is marriage because marriage is the good. Instead of you're choosing to procreate, you're choosing to uh, right. Like, uh, oh, I really want to have kids, so I guess I should get married. Sort of exactly. Thing. You know, like, it's and that. so friendship is really at the at the heart of it all. This companionship and this friendship that happens in marriage, and then God makes that and elevates that um, into the order of grace, so that your marital friendship becomes, when it's unitive and procreative, becomes actually the uh, element of grace, the way of grace, this end in itself, God actually uses to pour grace into your life. I mean, it's an amazing thing. And married people, I don't think they hear this enough, that that your marriage itself is the way that God primarily gives you grace in your life. Like, this is how he wants to sanctify This is you. how he wants to sanctify you, is through your very marital friendship. Which totally makes, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It just existentially, from my experience, seeing marriages and you know, I have eight siblings who are married. Your sister is getting married soon. She is. And she is, like, marriage is the way that she is going to die and Christ is going to live in her. You know, exactly. like, because when you get married, I mean, I see this with all the people I know who are married. There's just a lot of sacrifices. I mean, you just, you're going to be getting up in the middle of the night, taking care of screaming babies. You're going to be with this one other person most of your life. And sometimes they're going to drive you a little crazy, you know, exactly. and you have to learn how to, how to love them and, and, and bear the burden of some of their weaknesses right. and forgive them and, and just die to yourself. It's a constant dying to yourself and not like, not like it's miserable and it's the worst thing. In fact, it's in that dying that you actually find real joy and through that sacrifice that you actually find real peace because you find Christ. Exactly. And that, that grace starts pouring in when you start dying to yourself. Exactly. And going back it's to that podcast thing. we did on Eros and Agape, that you have um, that agapeic dimension of love, which is you have to have the sacrificial side of it. And and that spousal union in sex is going to be the marital act, the expression of your marital friendship, the marital good, which is the good in itself. That's what's consummating. That's what's that is what is um, defining it. That's expressing it's like the it. external expression of the interiority of what's actually happening in your marriage. Exactly, there's and, an internal reality, and that's the external expression. And that's it. why. The external expression has to be unitive and procreative, and that's why the church teaches against homosexuality, contraception, all these things that people you know, get so upset about, but the reason is because it's expressing the nature of marriage itself, the good of marriage itself, as unitive and procreative, that sex is the expression of that. You can't detach that for its own sake and, and just say it's, it's, it is a, mar- a fundamentally, essentially marital act. If you understand marriage, then you understand sex but you cannot separate the two it makes a lot of sense and every, i mean every all the moral 
things that people can see as arbitrary moral laws just imposed from, you know, above in the church are actually just flowing out of the reality of what marriage is. Right. And the church is just trying to teach about what their reality is because it's a beautiful thing. Right. And it's not only beautiful, it's essential to the holiness of most people because <laughs> right. most people are married, you know? Right. And we should be proud and confident um, at the beauty of the church's teaching on marriage. It is um, incredible. And we just skimmed the service here in 12 minutes. Uh, but I think it was worth redoing. And... Um, that's about all I have. So that's, that's great, man. Well, thanks for listening to two celibates talk about marriage. Uh, <laughs> there you go. You did a great job. So we have, uh, yeah. So we have the good, the good of marriage. And, and again, my apologies to Father Mike, who's probably listening to this. Who in the last podcast referred to him as he once was a companion. Today we're making fun of his uh, ability to dance last year, but um, he did a good job last year, and it was good. But I wanted to stress the bonum today, the the good of marriage that is the articulation of the Second Vatican Council. So there you go. Great stuff, man. Sorry, Mike. Well, we'll see you guys next week. And any more thoughts, suggestions, insults, comments, whatever, we will take them. Catholicstuffpodcast at gmail.com. 